Well, listen to this. The God that we worship, the God that we sing to, still does miracles. <laughs> he still does it. So I want you just to hold out hope for your miracle. You know, I believe there's some people who never receive a miracle because they're never in the place to need a miracle. They, they handle everything themselves. They, they make sure everything's in order themselves. They call friends and family to help them instead of calling on the Heavenly Father, maybe. So they may get things in order here. But I, there's just something about being in that place that says, God, if you don't come through, everything will collapse on me. He still does the miraculous. I want you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 2 and look at verse number 7 with me. Luke 2, 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, Father, we thank you for your word. We ask your blessing on it. We ask your anointing on our ears and our hearts. Your word is already anointed. Let the anointing come on us that we would truly hear what you have to say and that it would be received, and that what you have sent it to do, it would be accomplished today. If this is your prayer, join with me and say, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in the God of the miraculous. I believe in the God of miracles. I have seen God do miracles in my life, I have seen firsthand God do miracles in many of the lives represented in this very room. I believe in the God of miracles today. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that Christmas is the season of miracles. I mean, when else are you going to hear uh, the, the secular stores playing songs of the nativity? And people will start humming and singing songs of the Savior. All because of this holiday season. Mm -hmm. All because of Christmas. Christmas is a, a season of miracles. It all started with a night of miracles. I mean, think about it. Every detail was perfectly constructed and orchestrated by Almighty God. The taxing that would send Joseph and his bride to be who was with child. Back to Bethlehem. This is a miracle. Just the taxing portion itself, God got involved. See, sometimes, folks, we think circumstances have led us to a point. I don't believe that for the believer, circumstances lead us to any point. I believe that God will ordain our steps and God will order our steps and He will even sometimes order them through difficult situations. 
The taxing was a miracle. The trip to Bethlehem, which, by the way, was prophesied by the prophet Micah in chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. The trip to Bethlehem was a miracle. The timing. Aren't you thankful for God's timing in your life? God's timing is perfect. God's timing is impeccable. And God makes no mistakes in his calendar and on his timeline. The timing was a miracle. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. God perfectly timed the taxing, the trip to Bethlehem. All of it's part of His grand orchestration. The incarnation was a miracle. The incarnation. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the incarnation today? The incarnation is God assuming human form. It is that point where God assumed human form. This happened through God the Son, through Jesus Christ, when He was born of the Virgin Mary. This, believe me, is a miracle because we already talked about this last week. There's only one way that women give birth to babies. They don't just conceive on their own. There's got to be two to tango. It was a miracle. She had never even been with a man. Yet she would conceive, yet she would carry the Son of God, yet she would deliver the one who would deliver mankind. So, with this thought of the miraculous, the Almighty coming to earth and being born, I wondered in my heart, I thought to myself, why the manger and not say a mansion? After all, a king is going to be born, and not just any king. He ends up being the king of all other kings. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the prince of peace. A manger for a king? Why the manger? Why not a mansion? Well, the Spirit of God led me to some scriptures that actually gave me the answers, and I want to share them with you First of all, I believe the manger is the perfect picture of his rejection. Brent, I'm going to have to switch mics. There's a, there's a nice little ring that's... The, the manger is the perfect picture of his rejection. Remember, as they travel, as they make the trip for the taxing, Miracle, another miracle. See, it's just a, a, a miracle on top of miracles. It's layers of miracles to accomplish the grand miracle. And God still does that, by the way. Don't ever, don't ever mistake the small miracles that God does along the line. God's done so many miracles for you. God has done so many 
miraculous things for you. These are just layers of miracles. But this miracle of leading them to this place, the town of Bethlehem, this is where they are to go. They get to the inn. They get to the, the, the motel, the hotel, whatever it is. They get to a lodge. What happens? Well, see, Joseph and Mary are not the only ones who are compelled by law to go back to their cities for taxing and for the census to be counted, right? So everybody's going. And it sounds like a bunch of folk got there ahead of Joseph and Mary. And so there's no room. And I don't believe it's just at this particular inn. This just happens to be the one where everything is going to take place. But I believe that they probably went throughout looking for some place for a fully pregnant woman to lay down and very possibly have a baby that night. So there's no room. Now, there was room for business at the hotel. The census is going on. Taxing has taken place. I'm sure the dollar signs are, are in, the, in the innkeeper's eyes, right? Ah, we got a full house tonight. Cha-ching. There's room for business. There's probably room for pleasure. There's just something about a full house. I don't care where it is. I love when this church is full. We had our Christmas production, and it was packed for two nights last weekend. I love that. There's just something about a full house. There's something about having a, a house full of people around Thanksgiving or Christmas time or any other time. Some excitement there. There's room for excitement. There's room for pleasure. There's room for others in the inn because it was filled. But there's no room for Mary. There's no room for Joseph. And most importantly, there was no room for the Savior. There was no room for the baby that would be born. It perfectly pictures the rejection of Christ. The rejection story is so wonderfully depicted in John, John chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, you may want to open there because I'm going to reference several verses out of the first chapter of John. Quickly turn over there. It's so wonderful. And it shows us the rejection message that John told. Verse number one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This makes it very clear. God and Jesus are one. Verse number three, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made, including the earth and all that is in the earth, which includes a hotel an inn in Bethlehem, right? Follow along with me. Verse number 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Look at this. But the world did not even know him. It's a perfect picture of the rejection of Jesus. Didn't even know him. Verse number 11 goes on to say, he came to his own and his own did not Receive him. Sounds like the hotel there in Bethlehem. 
He came to them and they didn't even know who it was that came. Had the innkeeper known, had the innkeeper had insight perhaps, maybe he would have moved somebody else out. Maybe he would have given up his own sleeping quarters. But he wasn't supposed to know, was he? See, everything is by God's design. Christ is the word. Verse number 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, the world still rejects him today. He came to the world these many years ago, the world that he created. The world rejected him. He's in the world now. Did you know that? Jesus is in the world right now. How is he in the world? Somebody talk to me. Through his Holy Spirit, yes. His Holy Spirit is going throughout the world. But where's the Holy Spirit lay down his head at the end of the night? He's housed in the believer. The Spirit of God is going across the the world and around the world, compelling. I pray that the Holy Spirit would go to my family who lives in Indiana. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And I'm I'm not taking him there myself. See what I'm saying? Now, sometimes I get that opportunity, but every day I'm praying for my family. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would go to them. So the Holy Spirit is doing his job, but he's in us too. Do you know that you have an opportunity every day to be Jesus' feet? Not even an opportunity, whether you like it or not. How many believers do I have here today? You've accepted Christ as your Savior. Then you don't even have a say in the matter. You do. You are Jesus' feet. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and you are taking Jesus everywhere that you go. You are his hands. You are the arms of Christ. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only words of life some will ever read. So let them see in you the one in whom is all they'll ever need. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. But the world rejects him still to this day. And I want to encourage you before we move on. Don't make the same mistake as the world today or then for that matter. Don't reject him. Make room for him. Why the manger instead of a mansion? I believe that it also is the perfect picture of his redemption. There were two signs given by the angel to the shepherds in our text. It says that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. There was the first. And she laid him in a manger. There's the second. The two signs that were given by the angels to the shepherds. These will be the signs that she would wrap him in swaddling cloths and she will lie him or lay him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room in the inn. Do you know what a manger is? We, we took the, uh, our manger here, we took it off. We had it for our production. But it, it's true, Commander Stacy. It's nothing more than a feeding trough. 
for the cows and the donkeys. And there's another animal that was very, very prevalent in that day. The sheep. You got to get this. How perfect a picture. A manger is where sheep are born. A manger is where lambs are brought into the world. John called him the Lamb of God. In John chapter 1 and verse number 29, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Wow. And I want to remind you in this miraculous season of Christmas, it wasn't very far from the manger to the cross. And may we be mindful of the cross this time of year as well. Don't wait till Easter to let the cross be the focus. We celebrate the coming of the Messiah, but we also celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Paul does such a great job of tying uh, the birth and the cross together. I, I love how the Apostle Paul does this. He does it in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And then he goes right into the redemption part to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. He also does this in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery, consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, servant, here's the birth, and coming, here's the birth, in the likeness of men. Then he goes on in verse 8 and says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And I do not have time in this service to go through the Lamb in Revelation. Let me just highlight a few of them. Revelation chapter 7. Jackie, verse number 10, crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living waters of the living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Revelation 15, 3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Revelation 17, 14, these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. How many chosen and faithful are in the room here today? I'm with him and I am chosen and I am faithful. What a perfect picture of redemption. The lamb born in the stable. The lamb born in the barn, of course. The lamb that would be the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Why the manger instead of a mansion? I believe the manger is the perfect picture of his reach. The manger is the perfect picture of his reach. Had it been in the mansion, only select ones would be permitted to come and view the baby. Only those with invitation. You don't just go to mansions. Oh, but anybody can go to a barn. Anybody can come to the stable. All are welcome here. No one's going to be carded. No one's going to be ID'd. No one's going to be restricted. In fact, who were the first ones invited? The shepherds. The common working class. Even lowly, if you, if you really want to know. They were the first ones to get the announcement the first ones to receive the invitation to come and worship were the shepherds, not the wise men, not the kings. That came later. In fact, it's thought that Jesus was about two years old before the kings even arrived. We don't have time in our productions to wait two years, so we just squeeze the shepherds and the kings together. Right? But it was, it was probably, he was probably two years old before the kings even got to him. But the shepherds went the same night. Oh, uh, the shepherds were there right now. Because the reach of the Father is to whosoever will. And we need to be careful, I, I feel, that we don't exclude some. I said a moment ago, look around this room, it's filled with Former rascals, I don't think I said former then, but you know what I meant. But then we get, we get saved, right? We get forgiven. And then sometimes we get a little bit pious. If we're not careful, I'm saying. And we can look down on people. And we just have to remember they're lost. And they need the Savior. They're confused, and they need the answer that we have found. I want you in this season of miracles to take the time to really think, what does the birth of Christ mean to you? What does it mean to you personally? 
Is that your Savior in the manger? But you can't leave him in the manger because he didn't stay in the manger. That's simply where he came. That's simply where he was born. Too many find the baby safe, right? And so they will they'll embrace that part of Christianity. They'll believe that Jesus was born in a manger. But you can't leave him there. He grew. He grew right out of that manger. Couldn't fit in that manger anymore because, remember, he was all God, but he was all man. The incarnation. Pastor Moses, I want you to come, please. He grew right out of this, out of the manger, out of the barn. In fact, he was just there. They, they completed the census. The taxing was done, and they went on to where they lived at home. He didn't stay there. It was just the place of a monumental event. He grew up. They found him hanging out in the temple one, one time. He was about 12 years old. He had such insight into the Word. And remember, the Word, when he's 12, is all Old Testament, what we know to be Old Testament. He was living out the New Testament, so it clearly was not written. The New Testament is about his birth and life and those who were changed be because of it. All he knew was the Old Testament. Well, there are plenty of people that knew the Old Testament. And some will even keep him right there. The Jewish community. As a prophet, perhaps, a scholar, a teacher, that knew the Word of God, a good man, a good boy even at that time. But you can't leave him at the temple at the age of 12. He lived his life and he did the miraculous. He went from town to town doing miracles. And ultimately, he was tried and convicted for crimes that he did not commit because of love. And he went to a cross. And he gave his life on the cross. Can you see your Savior on the cross? Because it's got to be tied together with the birth. It's the, the entirety of the Christmas story. But I want to say this, and I want you to hear me well. Don't leave him on the cross either. And there's plenty of people, actually, that will leave him on the cross. But he went to the cross and he gave his life on the cross, but he actually came down off of the cross and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He died 
And certainly, whatever you do, don't leave him in the tomb because he's not there either. He rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And guess what he's doing right now? <laughs> the Bible says that he makes intercession for us. Prays for us. Hopes for us. I want you to see the resurrected Savior who is just waiting. He's just waiting like the, like the runner waits for the gun to go off. I believe he's just waiting to come and get his bride. Waiting. Father, is it today? Father, is it now? Can I go now? You've got to see this. It's more than a baby in a manger. I want you to bow your heads. I must ask this before we leave. Because there may be one here that doesn't even know him as Savior at all, let alone in a manger, uh, talking at a temple, dying on a cross. You, you just don't know Jesus. Today, everything in your life can change with one simple acknowledgement. I need God. I need help. One simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, but you would like to pray a prayer, make an acknowledgement, I want you to lift your hand right now before we leave and let me pray for you. Is there anyone? Lift your hand right now. Don't delay another day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Lift your hand and let me pray for you. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come into my heart. I make room for you. I will not reject you. I will not reject you. Is there anyone? Lift your hand right now. Amen. Amen. I am trusting today that every person within the sound of my voice is in right standing and right relationship with your maker. That you have, in fact, asked Christ to come into your life and into your heart. Hallelujah. Let me highlight just a, a few things for you. Next Sunday night, we have one of my favorite services of the entire year. It is our carols, candles, and communion. We'll start at 6.30. It is a one-hour service, but it is so wonderful. We dim our lights and we sing the songs of the season by candlelight and um, just some wonderful, wonderful uh, other things that I don't want to tell you about because I like to surprise you with a few things. But at the end of it all, we will bow our hearts and bow our heads and we will take together the Lord's Supper. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to go into the week of Christmas so I encourage you, bring your friends and family. Typically, this bottom portion is just packed. So I want you to, to uh, keep that in mind. Also, this Friday, we are going to have our church banquet. Now, in years past, we've, we've really dressed it up, and it's been pretty formal. We've taken it to a um, country club, a golf course country club. Everybody wears their best suits and ties and whatever, and, 
and it's a little bit pricey. Well, we decided this year we're going to change it all. We want to make it more affordable, so the price is cut almost in half. And we're not going to the ritzy country club. We're going to La Palma's Community Center. And we're going to wear blue jeans, and we're going to just enjoy one another. Now, I thought this would be fun. Let's wear the goofiest Christmas sweater that we could find. I mean, there's some, there's some good ones out there. So we're just going to come and wear gaudy Christmas sweaters and, and just have fun. We might even have a gaudy Christmas sweater contest. So, um, Commander Stacy, I'm looking for your gaudy Christmas sweater. I know you got some. Anyway, and if you can't, if you can't, you know, don't worry about what you can wear or whatever. I just want you to come. That was my goal in making it a little bit closer here, making it more affordable. However, if you're planning on coming, you've got to sign up today. Uh, Brent and Dina Crone are, are outside right now. They have a table set up. Stop by there and sign up, and uh, I, I hope we could have a really good time on Friday. All right, everyone standing. Pastor Moses, would you dismiss us in prayer? Father, we thank you this morning, oh God, once again for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we never forget what he's done for us, God, how he was born in a manger. Father, and because of that, he changed our lives. Father, and I pray that we would be forever grateful, oh God, that we would always be grateful, that there would always be thanksgiving in our hearts because of what you've done, God, because of the new life and the hope that you'd offered us, God. I pray that this would stay in our hearts, stay in our minds, Father, during this Christmas season. Father, I pray, oh God, that you just have your way in our lives every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>